All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, really, it's a joy to see our brother Tony here in the house. Uh, you know what? You guys don't really know was that Tony was really uh, pretty much near death, uh, and his family have flown in all the way from Australia because uh, they were kind of ready for the worst. Um, and where a lot of Christians may look at that and they just accept what the doctor's diagnosis says. You know, how many of you know here at New Philly, we don't let the doctors have the last word. And uh, where Tony was in really bad shape, he had such a high fever, the doctors were actually monitoring him. Uh, and he was uh, really in really bad shape. But as the house prayed, uh, we saw him continually getting better and better. Uh, he's been in the hospital. How long have you been there for? Like three months, Tony? You've been, about three months. And he just recently got released a few weeks ago. Uh, he didn't have the strength. The doctor was telling him uh, to stay at home. Uh, but today, Tony said, doctors can't stop me from coming into the house of my God. You went to some Korean church nearby last week, huh? You went to like a Baptist church? Oh, the church you were baptized in as a kid. All right. Yeah. Well, Tony was all smiles when he came in here because this, uh, this is his community. This is his house. Uh, it's so good to see Tony. That's uh, really a miracle of God. It's really his healing power and the hope that he provides by his grace that has allowed us to come and see him here today. And we're, we're not going just for this. We're going for his full healing. And so as a community, let's continue to pray with him and contend for the lupus to be completely healed that disease to be completely eradicated from his body. You know, a couple of weeks from now, we're going to have our membership classes at each of our campuses. And before I preach my message, let me say a little about membership. Formal membership at a church is biblical. It's what God's will is for you. It's for you not to just belong to the universal, invisible church of God, which, you know, everybody is part of that the moment they're born again. But God's will for you is to identify yourself with the local community. That's what church is all about. It's about belonging to a local church. And if you want intimacy, you want to go deeper in things of God, you want people to speak into your life, you want to mature in your spirituality. You want to increase in the knowledge of God. If you want all of that kind of blessings and intimacy, well, you can't enjoy intimacy without covenant. For all the fellas in here, you want, you want to sweet talk your girlfriend? Hey, baby, I love you. Why are you denying me? I got needs. All right? A lot of Christian men, they talk like that. And they do that to try to manipulate and pressure their girlfriends, their Christian girlfriends, into having sex. But here's something about sex. Sex is intimacy. It is the most intimate thing that you can have with another person on the face of the earth. With another human being, there's nothing more intimate than sex. God created sex. It's His idea. It's His creation. And He gets to say how it is enjoyed. And in the beginning, Jesus said, God created 
Adam and Eve, man and woman. And for this reason, a, a man will leave his mother and father and be united, be united with his wife. And the two will become one flesh. Sex is to be enjoyed only within the covenant of marriage. Now, here's the thing about just intimacy in general. You want intimacy with the body of Christ. You got to be in covenant with the local church. If you if you're if you're like I can't find love. I'm looking love. I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. Can't find love. That's because knucklehead, you haven't committed yourself. If you as a believer in Christ, well, I have Jesus in my heart, and I got the love of Jesus. I can love everybody. I have access to love. Everybody. That's true. You got Jesus in your heart. But if you really want to go deep with somebody, there's got to be a commitment. There's got you got to come in covenant with them. A mutual commitment. To hold each other accountable, to live by God's word, to love each other, even when times get tough, even when you disagree, you got to come into covenant. So as a Christian who does not belong in any local community, if you're bouncing around from one conference to another, you hop in from one church to another, and you're wondering, why can't I find love? That's because you haven't found commitment. You haven't found what it means to truly belong. To a church. When Jesus addresses the churches in the book of Revelation, he addresses local churches in each of those cities. He's not just addressing, you know, Christians all over the world. I have this against you. You've lost your first love. No, Jesus looks at each local area, and, and it makes sense. In a local church, there's going to be certain things that are preached. Certain things that are tolerated and certain things that are not tolerated. You know, Jesus is all about love. But don't get tolerating and love mixed up. For you to really experience deep, true love, it's got to be in truth. And if you tolerate certain kind of false beliefs, that's not love. That's not love. You know, the other day I saw a news report. And it was about the fundamentalist church of Latter-day Saints. So these are Mormons. These are like uh, a sect of the Mormon church. And they set up this little community along the border of uh, Utah. And there was this prophet. He was like 89 years old. And he had about like 18 wives. And one of his new wives was a 19-year-old girl named Becky. And they all told, they all told her, you know, this is, this is such an honor for you to marry the prophet, the founding uh, prophet of this movement. But she didn't feel like that. He's 89 years old. No matter how much brainwashing you do for that poor little girl, when she opens her eyes, she's going to see an 89-year-old man trying to come into bed with her. So she said no. And then the son of that prophet, the founding prophet, he went up to her and said, don't you ever, ever, ever deny your husband again. Right? And then, and then she was like, well, well I'm not going to do it still. And then the 89-year-old prophet died right after. <clears throat> oh, he was 89 years old. He was, he was, he was. And then the son, who now became the leader of the movement, Went up to her and said, I'm going to break you, young girl. You rebellious little girl, I'm going to break you because you don't know true love. 
You don't know how to open up your heart and receive your husband. You don't know true love. You know what? When she heard that, she got in like some, somebody's car and she bounced out. She left the set. She left. This is a whole family. This is what she's known. People who she's grown up with, she left. And then this sect, they moved to like some ranch in Texas. Because, you know, in Texas, you can get ranches for real cheap. There's so much land there. I don't know. They moved to some, they built some like white cathedral. And then the police decided to raid it. Texas Rangers decided to raid it because they got a phone call. Texas Rangers are real, I found out. (laughs) There are real police called the Rangers. Anyway, they went to the sect and they were confused because everybody dressed alike. Everybody had the same hair. And there were only like five female names among like this whole big community of hundreds of women. And so they were just confused with what's going on. And so they actually found out about this girl, Becky, and brought her in to help with the investigation. And what they found out was there were beds placed at the front of the altar. And, the, and then the girl who left, she knew exactly what those beds were used for. They were used for holy ordinances. Where the prophet, this guy, the leader of the movement, he would, have, he would show how to properly procreate. Except there was an audio recording of him Doing this holy ordinance with a 12-year-old girl. And so they used that audio recording. They used Becky's testimony. And he went and he got prosecuted. And he's in jail for life. He got life sentence for that. I don't know how I got into that. (laughs) You want love? For there to be true love, you got to have love and truth. Meaning you shacking up with your girlfriend ain't love. That's not true love. That's just your selfishness. That's your impatience. That's you acting out the nature of your the sinful flesh. If you want true love, it's a man who's willing to wait. And to honor the marriage bed. And to pursue purity. Knowing that. That's going to make a way for a much better foundation for marriage. But you know, what's really, really sad is just that there's a lot of Christians that they demand intimacy, blessings. They demand good worship music. They want really good public speaking. They want all these awesome, amazing things, but they're not willing to put in nothing. That's the attitude of a lot of American Christianity. Some people call it, I was reading a book in my, one of my classes. Uh, Dick Staub likes to call it Christianity light. Great taste, less filling. On the appearance, it looks all great, but there's no substance to it. Christianity light ain't Christianity. There's only one way to follow Jesus. That's to be all in. George Verwer, famous uh, speaker at Urbana conferences. When I was a high school senior, I went to Urbana 96. George Verwer has a famous saying. He said, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Let's just face the music. You're pretending like Jesus is the Lord of your life when he only has lordship over just 10% of your life. 
That's not lordship. The very definition of Lord is you trust him with every area of your life. And you submit every area of your life. So I'm just addressing all of the people that have been coming out, attending church, coming out. You like New Philly? You know? You grade the worship? Yeah, I give the worship team B+. Plus, you know? The worship at New Philly is pretty good. The atmosphere is like an A+, plus, but the, you know, the team is like a B- minus or B+. Plus. The speaker, oh, that boy is an A+. Plus. <laughs> or maybe y'all like, man, that speaker is all over the place. I don't like him. C+. Plus. And you're wondering, why can't I go deeper with this community? I'm telling you what the answer is. You got to come into covenant. You got to come into a mutual relationship in which we're committed to each other. And you got to belong to a family. Let me tell you something right now. You know who's the members of your immediate family, don't you? Right? Families can't be families if all the lines were blurred. You know who's in your immediate family, right? Your siblings. Your mama and your papa. That's your immediate family. And if your cousin lived with you throughout your teenage years, sometimes you let the cousin in too. <laughs> but the very definition of family is there's boundaries. You got you to gotta know who's in and who's not. Even when you adopt somebody, you adopt them, within to the, you drop, adopt them into the boundaries. And you say, now you are a member of this family. It's the same thing with the church. There are spiritual families all over the earth and not all the churches look the same. As evidenced by the book of Revelation. And Jesus in the spirit realm. He walks among the seven lampstands. He walks among the lampstands of all the local churches of the earth. And when he sees lampstands that are made of pure and beaten gold. That are burning brightly for Jesus. He is well pleased. He says well done. He commends the faith of those believers at that church. But for churches... That are making up stuff. Being all postmodern and relativistic about their beliefs. Picking and choosing what they want to believe from the Bible. Or they are really religious and pharisaic. But not really reaching out to the sinners. Not really being open to the leading of the spirit. When the fire of the lampstand begins to die. Jesus says you better watch out before I take away your lampstand. You know there's churches out there. You ever go out to America, there would be church buildings everywhere, but you don't have churches. You have a lot of church buildings. That don't mean that you got churches. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great churches in America. There's a lot more church buildings whose lampstand stopped burning a long time ago. You know how you can tell? Because when they gather for their general assemblies, all they want to talk about is ordaining homosexuals. That becomes the main issue. Why? Because those people don't honor the word of God. They're not led by the spirit of God. They're just pretenders, fakes, Judas Iscariots. I'm getting all serious now. Oh, man. I'm getting all serious. All right, the point of this little intro was... Stop delaying it and join a local church. Well, I don't know about New Philly. Then go to another church. Why are you coming out here then? <laughs> Hurry up and go hop around and see what's out there. Some of you, you'll be back. <laughs> you'll be back. 
We got some great EMs, though, in the city. We got Jubilee. We got Onuri English Ministry. We got New Harvest with Sarang's EM. We got uh, Third Wave. It's a smaller church out in uh, Shinchon. We got, like, Jesus Street Ministries. We got a lot of EMs, man. It's a blessing to be in this city right now doing uh, English ministry because there's so many uh, vibrant and alive English ministries. We got uh, Iwi, good friend, Pastor Paul Song, is now the, the EM head of the Young Knox English Ministry. There's a lot of great congregations out there. So if you, if you undecided, go, go, go check it out. But make a decision. Don't turn the transition into a permanent thing. Even if you're a college student and you're only here for four months. Well, I don't want to hear for four months. Yeah, let, me, I, let, me just, let me just stay shallow and just, you know, let me just enjoy the hugs, the high fives. But I don't want people to go deep with me. I got stuff I don't, want, I don't want to share. I got stuff I want to hide. Don't bother me. No, four months, let me tell you, you put four months in the hands of God, your life will be radically transformed. We've seen it again over and over at Emmaus Campus Ministries. We don't, some students are so late, they start coming out to church on the last month of their four month time here in Korea. But even the last month, God will mess you up. God said, I've been waiting for you all semester. Where you been? You can run, but you can't hide. Actually, our intern pastor, Emily. She was here for two semesters. And, and you know, she came out to uh, uh, YICF, which was Emmaus back then. She came out to like a couple meetings, and she just MIA, just doing her own thing. And apparently, she told, me, she told me recently that she used to go out to Club Ho, or Ho Club, I'm sorry. Hobar, Hobar. 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 There are several Hobars around Hongdae. And there's, there's a Hobar right next to our church office right now. And, you know, around Friday, Thursday nights, man, that Hobar is like thumping. Boom, 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 And, and uh, <laughs> Hobar is packed with people. And I was like, Emily used to go up in there? But I, was, I don't know. I don't know how, how often she did it, but she did it at least once. And uh, she didn't really come out until, like, the last month she was here, right before the end of her two semesters. And she came out like, I don't know, a couple times. But God used that to really open up her heart to more of what God has for her here at this house. So don't delay the decision. You know, membership class is coming up. And we don't know when the next membership class will be. It'll probably be in the spring. So this is your one shot, your one opportunity. Join the family. All right. <clears throat> Today I'm going to talk about a very important topic that a lot of young people like to dodge. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 22. Exodus chapter 22. Exodus 22. Let's go. I'm going to read from the ESV. Read with me from verse 1 through 4 first. If a man steals an ox or a sheep, Exodus 22, 
and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. He shall surely pay. And if he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. Stop right there. Today I'm going to talk about theft. The word of God tells us in Exodus chapter 20 in the Ten Commandments, you shall not steal. Everybody say, you shall not steal. Says again, Leviticus 19, Deuteronomy 5, you shall not steal. I'm going to talk about three kinds of theft that goes on in the world. It also goes on even among believers, in the lives of believers. Start with number one. One is stealing from people. Stealing from people. If you look here in verse 1, it says, if a person steals an ox, or a sheep. And he kills and sells it. Now he's made a profit from this animal. Then the person is required to repay. Make restitution for that stolen ox that's been sold. Five times. That you're, you are to repay for five oxen for one ox. That's a lot of oxen. Or four sheep for a sheep. This is what God directly commanded. If anyone steals and sells, he needs to repay five times the amount or four times the amount. Y'all looking at me like, I can't relate to that. Um, Maybe oxen to our equivalent might be cars. All right? If you steal somebody else's car and you sell and you get proceeds from that car, God requires that you pay back Five cars for one car you stole. Now we don't think in this terms, but this is the spirit of the law that God has in mind when he says you shall not steal. You shall not steal goes a lot deeper than just don't do it. God requires repayment. He requires restitution. In fact, David knew this law. King David. Because when he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he premeditated the murder of her husband, Uriah. And his heart was so hardened, he did not have the sense that he needed to repent before God about it. The prophet Nathan one day came and told him a story. He said, King David, sir, may I tell you a story? Once was a man. He had a little lamb. His name was Mary. Mario. Mario had a little lamb. And he took care of that little lamb like it was his own child. He used to sleep with it, feed it, care for it, nurse it back to health. One day, there was a richer neighbor that's nearby. And he was throwing a party. And he took the lamb of the poor man and slaughtered it for his party. Now, that doesn't really evoke much emotion for you, does it? But for David, he used to be a shepherd. He knows exactly what it means. To not only take care of these sheep, but to love sheep like his own child. As a teenager, this is what he used to do. 
So what God was doing through prophet Nathan was, was sharing a story that was going to hit home. You know what David said in response to the story? David said, the man who has done this needs to die. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> so you can see that David, for him, he was much more invested in this. But not only that, he quoted Exodus 22. He said, the man who done this deserves to die, and he needs to be restored fourfold of what was taken. What's that mean? Exodus 22. If you take a sheep and you sell it and you have a party or you keep the proceeds, you are to pay back four times the amount. Uh, Check this out. Look how serious stealing is before God. Look at verse 2. If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no, no blood guilt for him. Now you might be like, what is that? That is showing you the seriousness of theft. God is saying, if somebody breaks into your house and in self-defense you strike and you kill him, you're going to have a clear conscience about it. You're going to have a clear conscience about it. Well, what about the poor guy? What about the poor guy? He should have been stealing in the first place. That's pretty much God's attitude. And so, you know, a lot of uh, fundamentalist Christians, they read these verses. And that's why they have shotguns at home. And pistols. <laughs> And pistols under their bed. You know, us Koreans, we don't relate to this because we didn't grow up with the Judeo-Christian values. But Americans, they did. And they had the right to bear arms and part of their constitution. And so you come into my house. Yeah, exactly. Like the moment you turn around, because if you shoot somebody in the back, you can get prosecuted for manslaughter, some kind of uh, different crime within each state. But you shoot them head on. No, no guilt whatsoever. In most states, you will have no guilt, especially if it's just out of self-defense. What's interesting here is God upholds that. It's his idea. But then it says, if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. So you can't do it in daylight. You can't do it in broad daylight. All right? In the dark, you can't really tell who it is. Who are you? What are you doing? Are you threatening me? And, you know, in the dark, it's a little bit more scary. You know? So God's like, understand. So you pull that trigger... You blast them, no guilt for you. Because that bull should not have been up in your house stealing. But if you do it in broad daylight, uh-uh. there shall be some kind of blood guilt. There needs to be some kind of punishment. Because you, you, you have much more clarity when there's daylight. So do, do you see how God is a God of justice? And it says here, if the guy is caught, he shall surely pay. Meaning... If the thief says, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, here's your stuff back. God's like, uh, that ain't, that ain't repayment. No, if he steals from you, he shall surely pay, right? And he says for the ox, what is it? Five times. For the sheep, four times. And now check this out. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. What's that mean? If you can't repay four times or five times the amount, whatever is required, then you are to be sold into slavery until you can repay it all back. That's scary, isn't it? Well, it should be scary because that's the law of the Lord. If you see the spirit, the heart behind this letter of the law, God is forbidding any form of theft. He says, that is not okay when you steal from your neighbor. Uh, Look on with me. 
If the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. All right, here's a different scenario. You don't sell the ox. You don't kill the sheep. When you get caught, it's still in your possession. Uh, kind of put it to modern terms. It's like if you stole a car and you took apart all the pieces and you sold it among all these distributors, right? Then you got to pay back four times or five times the amount. But you still drive it around in that car, <laughs> You know, and then police, and then you get pulled over, license registration, and they find out that the car is still intact. When you find, when they find you, then you got to pay back double to the owner that you stole from. That's what God required in His covenant community. Um, look down with me, verse seven. If a man gives to his neighbor money or goods to keep it safe, and it is stolen from the man's house, then if the thief is found, he shall pay, once again, double. All right? Look at verse 8 and 9. If the thief is not found, the owner of the house shall come near to God to show whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. For every breach of trust, whether it is for an ox or a donkey, for a sheep or for a cloak, or for any kind of lost thing for which one says, this is it, the case of both parties shall come before God, and the one whom God condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. You are to make restitution when you steal. Now, I know there are people in here, and you've stolen things. And you thought the godly thing to do was just to repent of your sin. Say sorry and say, God, I'll never do it again. And that's it. That's not even the letter of the law. The letter of the law says you got to repay double, or you got to repay four times, or you got to repay five times the amount. Our chief tax collector, short little Zacchaeus, he knew the law. Because when Jesus in the Gospels, he went over this chief tax collector's house and was hanging out with him. And Jesus didn't say, you know, why you, why you got all this stuff? You know, all this nice stuff. I know where you got it from. You need to repent of your sin. No, Jesus was just hanging out and eating with him. And his holy presence be, began to bring conviction into Zacchaeus' heart. And so Zacchaeus said of his own accord, he said, half of my stuff I will give to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Why did Zacchaeus say that? Because he knew the law. That the law requires repayment. You are not to steal from people is pretty much the main point. And that God takes theft very seriously. And wherever you are able, you are to make restitution. And where you are not able, you are to be sold into slavery. Now, unfortunately, we can't apply that today. (laughs) We can't apply that today. But, you know, in a similar manner, people go to jail when they can't repay things, when they get caught. You know, well, maybe that's not the best, best example. But anyway, God takes theft very seriously. In fact, it says in Exodus 21, the chapter before, and in Deuteronomy 24, verse 7, that when you steal possessions 
and oxen, cars. You're to make repayment. But if you steal a person, oh, it's a whole nother game. Okay, it says here in Exodus 21, verse 16. Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Or in Deuteronomy 24, verse 7, it says, Whoever steals a man, doesn't even sell him, just treats him like a slave, shall be put to the death penalty. What does that mean? That's a word to all the human traffickers out there. They, they think they're just making a quick cash from young, vulnerable people in their neighborhood. Or parents who think, well, you know, it's just my child. And we're having a tough time. So here's a way to make income. Let me, let me sell my child into the sex industry. Let me just have the child work for just a few years. Until they're 22. Until they're 21. Let me just... Uh, I read an article yesterday in the Philippines. A big problem is cyber sex. Parents are setting up cameras of their 12-year-old, 14-year-old girls. And then Americans and Westerners are tuning into these websites and paying like $40 a, uh, an hour. $40, $40 a minute or whatever. And they're paying these prices to type up what they want to see the girls do on camera. And parents are implicit in this. What you have to understand is God says, you steal a man, whether that's somebody else or even your own family member, and you treat him like a slave or you sell that person, the, the penalty that God requires is death. God says, don't you ever do that. That person, I don't care if they're a Christian or Muslim or a Hindu or atheist. That person is created in my image. You are never to mistreat anyone like that. But we, we just seem to think, oh, well, you know, that's poor them. Those people should stop that. No, those people need to stop now. And those people are storing up wrath that will be revealed on the day of judgment. You have to understand... That one thing I love about Nefarious is it tries to, it's a movie about human trafficking made by Benji Nolan from IHOP. When we watched Nefarious, what was wonderful about it was it showed the side of the women that are trafficked into the uh, sex industry. But it also showed the side of the Johns and the side of the pimps. And we're like, oh, that's so wonderful. You know, pimps getting saved too. Pimps, Pimps can get saved too. Yeah, pimps can get saved too. But here's the thing. God can also get glory, not only in saving pimps, but by judging pimps. And if God doesn't save a pimp, God is doing the right thing. He is showing, when he shows justice, he's doing the right thing. When he shows mercy, he's still doing a good thing. But he is never obligated to show that mercy. And so for all them pimps out there, they should be warned. What the word of God says, you steal a person and you sell them like in the movie Taken. You steal somebody, you take them out of the hotel, whatever. And then you sell them into the sex industry. You drug them up and then you put them in the sex industry. Oh, like that man in the suit that Liam Neeson confronted, you know, was like, you know, that's my daughter. I said, what, you know, what you, what you, I'm just a businessman. Don't be upset. I'm just a businessman. I'm just like you, just trying to make a dollar. That's complete deception. That person deserves to die in the eyes of God. And the only reason he hasn't died is because of God's goodness. Don't think that because justice is delayed, that justice will never come. 
God is faithful to keeping his promises. Both for mercy and for justice. So the first aspect of theft I want to cover is stealing from people. Stealing from people. Now the second form of theft is when you steal from organizations. Steal from organizations. Now you might not think of this as a very big deal. But God does. You see, God not only is concerned about the blue-collar crimes, grand theft auto, stealing a bike on, off the street. God is also concerned about white-collar crime. Maybe the U.S. government turns an eye against white-collar crime. God does not. God holds all of them accountable for what they're doing. So when you steal from organizations, let's say banks, corporations, your own employer, you know, when you work for a company, there is an agreement that they compensate you and you compensate them in the sense that you work for them for the job description that you agreed to when you were hired. But when you are at your workplace and you're spending five, six days on Facebook, five, six hours of the day on social media, ESPN. That's why some companies, they were blocked that stuff. Because they know human nature. But if you open that piece and you are not being faithful to your job description, you're also stealing from your employer. And don't think that God overlooks theft from an organization. He looks upon it with just as much concern. Just because it's subtle doesn't mean you can get away with it. And let me mark my words. You will reap what you sow. Let me touch upon a little bit more of white-collar crime that's a little, that will hit home a little bit more. Um, let me talk about this. Let me talk about IP theft. See, I went to NYU Business School. And I took a class called Entertainment Law. And I found out that the laws of America protects intellectual property. It's one of the great values of American society. And this is why creativity can flourish and prosper in America and not in many other countries. Is that when you create something, you innovate, and you, you sign up for a copyright or a patent, the law will protect your rights. To make sure that those things are not just stolen and copied and abused and misrepresented. The law will protect you in those cases. You know, uh, if you ever go into law, you go to law school. One of the great branches of law is IP law. Intellectual property law. There are lawyers out there that work not 40 hours a week. Lawyers usually work about 80 hours a week. Lawyers work their butts off. Lawyers who are completely dedicated to IP law. You know why? Because there's so much IP theft that goes on. America is pretty bad. You come over to Asia. Oh, man, it's ridiculous. (laughs) They don't even have a concept that this is theft. But let me give you a grit today. All right? Because intellectual property theft is still theft. Let's break it down. In the Korean community, Korean-American, Korean-Korean, it is so common to steal software. 
All your parents probably did it. And all of you probably were implicit or did it directly at some point in your life. Koreans are so good at stealing software and not thinking anything of it. Uh, You know one of the reasons why Microsoft did so well at one point? Because Microsoft allowed an operating system that was easy for you to copy software you did not buy and install it onto your computer. On the Macintosh, it was a lot harder to do that back then. So that drove PC sales, the hardware PC sales. All you had to do was buy the hardware, and you didn't have to spend a dime on software. And what happened was this actually drove software prices up, which made it even worse. And more people started to steal software. Some of you, you didn't even pay for Microsoft Windows back in the day. Your uncle gave it to My uncle gave it to me. All right, your uncle gave it to you, so it's not theft anymore? How many of you in here, you work in art, arts, creative arts? You work in the creative arts. Shame on you if you have stolen Adobe software just because it's pricey. And you, you actually were proud of it. Oh, yeah. I got a copy of the latest Adobe Photoshop, Adobe Premiere, Adobe Illustrator. I ain't paying $1,000 for Adobe Photoshop. Forget you, Adobe. <laughs> Stealing this, John. You don't call it theft. You call it, I got a good deal. When I bought my computer, the Korean salesman said, I'll throw in Adobe for you. Adobe pack, Adobe Photoshop for free. I'm not even a a creative artist. It's okay, I'll throw it in there for free. I got a great deal. Not only did I just pay $700 for my computer hardware, I got Microsoft Office, Microsoft Windows, Adobe Premiere. I got all these software for free. Because the guy at the computer store was so nice. And you didn't even think the next step. Maybe this is theft. You, you blocked your mind. You're like, nope, this is not theft. This is not theft. This was just a good person who gave me free software. Well, let me tell you something right now. That's theft. Just read the fine print. Anytime you buy software, it says you're not supposed to do that. It's protected by the law. Now, there's just too many of you to go after. So a lot of times companies will just go after like a corporation. Like if Dell, as the corporation, or if Hewlett Packard or, or um, uh, GE started doing that, obviously they go after them. Just because they don't go after you and you've never been found out doesn't mean it makes it okay. Here's the thing. God's been watching the whole time. And somebody's taking count up there. And you're wondering, why is my business not doing any, any good? Or every time I try to be an entrepreneur, it doesn't go nowhere. That's because you've never fully dealt with your sin of theft. Oh, let me go a little bit straight home, right? Let me go even deeper because illegal software has kind of died down a little bit recently, right? But let me talk about, let me go, let me go straight. Illegal music and movie downloads. Okay, you guys know my heart, but you know what? I never addressed it from the pulpit. I just wanted to see what you guys would do. As you get mature and you get discipled in this house, I just wanted to watch what you will do with that. And you know what? I'm very disappointed with this congregation.
Oh, Pastor Christian, uh, I watched the movie Ajashi the other day. Oh, how'd you watch it? Did you rent it? Did you, did you get, you know, where'd you get it from? Oh, I downloaded it. I'll, I'll send you the link. Okay, I studied entertainment law. It's really clear that what the law says. You steal music, you steal movies, you steal any kind of intellectual property, that's theft. Okay? When Napster was around, people thought, oh yeah, there's a software that helps you steal. Everybody get on Napster. And everybody got on Napster. And then the, and then the recording artist went after Napster. Now, they might not have had the most pure motives. They weren't going, going like, I got to uphold the law of God. Recording artists, industry, let's, uh, let's uphold the law of God. No, they were out for money. They're, like, They're taking money from us. We need to sue these guys. And so they took Napster to court. And while Napster was in court, Apple finally came out and says, you know what? Let's legitimize this. Let's make, it, uh, let's make downloading music, let's make a legal way for, for this to happen. All right? Samsung didn't do that. Napster didn't do that. Napster tried to come up with like a monthly plan. Never went on. Went, never took off. Because too many people went from Napster. They went to Lime. You know Lime? I, yeah, don't think I don't know this stuff. I've been guilty along the way. And you know what? Some of the men in here, that's how you get your pornography. Now, while you're looking for the Ajashi movie download, you look at all kinds of other movie downloads. And why is it so infiltrated with pornography? Why? Because it's a whole setup. You're already, sin is what got you in the door. You're already in an environment of sin through theft once you get there. You think Holy Spirit's with you. Lord, help me to find that movie today. And the Holy Spirit ain't with you. You is on your own because you are involved in theft. But let me go another layer in. By the way, if, you're, if it's not clear to you, I am preaching to you right now the word of God. That whether it's a physical thing that you steal or something electronic or intellectual property, it is still theft in the eyes of God. So you keep downloading free music. You keep downloading free movies that are not meant to be free. You're guilty of theft. You know what you really need to do? Is you need to get on your computer and you need to delete all those files. You know one of the issues why I get grieved when I see young people going to Samsung Galaxy right now? No, honestly. Because I know a lot of the Americans, Korean Americans and, and Caucasian Americans, all the, all the Americans in here and Canadians. When you move to Samsung Galaxy, how are you going to get your music? There's no iTunes store in Samsung Galaxy. Right? So you got, you got to find a way to do that. But you know what? Most of you don't find that way. You just go back to illegal downloading. And you think that's okay. The only, re- way, only place it's okay for you to copy and move around the files is when you own the CD. Or you've bought the album electronically. Or you have the DVDs lying around at home. Then the law actually says you can go ahead and copy, an electronic copy of it. But it's got to stay within your household. Well, you know, you know my, my service team, that's my household. <laughs> Nuh-uh. 
Read the law. It's supposed to be for your immediate family. <laughs> Let me go another layer, right? Let me go another layer. Check this out. All right. All right. You know what? I won't download anymore, Pastor Christian. I won't download. But what about black market CDs? I'm still paying for it. I just pay half price. Black market CDs. I want the new Jay-Z album. I don't know why you even want the Jay-Z album. I want the new Hillsong album. It makes it okay because I'm buying praise, right? I want the new Hillsong album. But I want it at half the price. What if I buy it off the black market? What if I buy it off the Chinese guy from the back of the truck? I buy it off my friend at my college campus. Let me read a Bible verse, Psalm 62, verse 10. And this is a verse that really convicted my heart. Let me tell you what happened. I think I showed it, shared this story once before. I'm going to share it again. When I was a student at NYU, I think it was around my junior year when I was in New York City. I was on my way to church. And when I came up at the 34th Street Station, Penn Station, when I came up out of the station, I saw a table. And I saw a black guy selling black market CDs. And there was, there was some good music. Now, I'm a big jazz fan, hip-hop fan. So you know what? I was like, oh, man, I want to I get a couple of these CDs. You know, and they were only five bucks. So I, I went up to him and I bought two CDs from him. I bought two CDs from him. I went home and I put it in. It was supposed to be a jazz CD and Missy Elliott started coming out. <laughs> So I was so upset. I got all upset about that. So the next Sunday, as I'm making my way to church, by the way, where Brother Michael, he could have prophesied and known all about what I was doing. On my way to church, I go up to a table, but it wasn't the same black guy. It was a different guy. But he was selling pretty much the same thing. So I went up to him, and I was like, hey, 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 hey. And he was all busy. He's like, I got sales, I got sales, two for one, two for one. I was like, hey, 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 you sold me a CD. You sold me two CDs last week, and one of them doesn't work. And he's like, make it out of my face. And I was like, yo, 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 yo. <laughs> the guy's like trying to sell, and he's trying to do his business. He's like, leave me alone. I'm like, nah, man, you sold me a bad CD. You got to let me exchange it or give me my money back or something. Right? And I started get, raising my voice. And this is New York City. Got to watch out. But I'm from Philly, you know, so I, I stand up to people. I'm like unafraid of confrontation. It's a bad, bad trait. Very bad trait. You got to learn how to walk away. And so I, I raised my voice. You know what? He, he turned around. And, and if there are any children here, all right. There are children. All right. He turned around. He just pretty much cursed me out. You! <laughs> He said, bleeper, bleeping, bleeper, I didn't sell you that CD. So get the bleep out of my face. Unless you want some. And, I, and I, I was ready to fight him, but I realized that's foolishness. You know why? Because he didn't sell me the CD. <laughs> I went to church that day and I was like, what is it that I have done? What is it that I have done? And I thought, oh, I lied. I shouldn't have lied to the guy. 
And I should I should have just tried to find the the guy who sold me the CD. I'm sorry, Lord. And God said, Nah, that ain't it. And then the Lord showed me this verse that day, Psalm 62, verse 10. In the NIV, it says, "Do not trust in extortion, or take pride in stolen goods." Do not trust in extortion and te- or take pride in stolen goods. You know why I had the audacity to get up in that guy's face even though he didn't sell me the CD? Because when it came down to it, I took pride in the stolen goods, which was originally stolen. The guy is not supposed to sell those CDs. But I took delight in the fact, I took pride in the fact that I got a good deal. And that pride rose up. And made me lie to this guy's face and almost got me beat beat up. God does not, God says do not trust in extortion. He does not delight in stolen goods. So you need to stop buying stolen goods. If a person rips off a CD and selling it on the street, that's not only illegal, but that is theft before God. That is stolen goods. And most of us, we take pride in that. I got a good deal. This could apply to brand name goods as well. Brand name goods that are not brand name. Now, here's where, here's where it gets a little gray. Okay, So I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm not going to tell you the letter. I'm going to tell you the heart. All right? When it comes to um, goods that are supposed to be some other brand name, like Gucci, but it's not Gucci. Right? Here's what I think. If you are buying that bag... First of all, you shouldn't buy fake Gucci bags. Why? Because when you make these purchases, it perpetuates theft. It encourages the people that are working in this black market to keep doing what they're doing. And they're getting even rich off of you. But they haven't, that's not honest work before the eyes of God. They should just create their own bag designs. They actually have the capacity to do that. A lot of these Chinese factories have the capacity to do that, but they keep ripping off other brand names, right? Not only your purchase perpetuates the theft, just as a John going to a brothel perpetuates human trafficking. Think of it that way. You're making it continue by your purchases. But here's the thing about about fake, I don't know what you would call that, fake brand names. Bootleg. Bootleg, yeah. Here's what I think about bootleg. If you buy the bootleg product just because of the quality of that product and not for the brand name, I think if you have a clear conscience about that, I think God's good. You might be like, oh, that's, that's funky. No, no, I, I think that's good. If you're buying that product for the product, you, don't, you can care less about the brand name. Right? And you're like, oh, man, this is just a good bag. I don't care if it, it's got, it's got, it looks like it's fake Gucci or not. It's just a good bag. I just want to buy a good bag. And that's really what's going on in your mind. And God sees that. I think God will be good with that. But if you're buying this Gucci bag and you're like, oh, I don't want to spend. Now, there are different le- levels of bootleg. All right? I found this out. <laughs> like a real Gucci bag could run you $1,000. Then you got bootleg Gucci bags that are like $50 pieces of junk you should never buy that because it'll just fall apart on you real quick but then you got like upper tier bootleg two hundred dollars for a fake gucci bag 
And technology is getting so much better, you got even an upper tier above that. $400 for high-quality bootleg Gucci. That's tempting. Right? But here's the thing. If you're buying that product to give off the impression that you have a real Gucci bag when you don't, that's just deception. It's just filled with deception, isn't it? And in that case, I don't think it's good at all. And overall, you need to put put an end to the industry. Because the industry is driven by IP theft. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? The company is spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to develop these designs. That some dude in China gets to just rip off right away. That's not okay in the eyes of God. That's theft. That's theft. And so you guys, you guys heard me on that, all right? Uh, illegal downloads, illegal software, that's just theft straight up. And if you're purchasing things that are bootleg, you got to watch your conscience. You guys hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Amen? Sometimes bootlegs are so good sometimes. Like when I was in my honeymoon in Bali, we went to a polo store and we were like, something's not right. But it's that polo everywhere. Polo on the outside, polo, you know, all the latest polo designs. I said, something's not right. But maybe it's real. The prices are close to real. It was like kind of expensive, actually. It wasn't that cheap. I thought, maybe this is, it's just, you know, in Indonesia, they just sell the polos at 20% lower than they sell in Korea. So, you know, I just, I just bought a couple, you know. But, uh, yeah, when I took it home, I knew it was bootleg. I got some real polo shirts and it ain't, it ain't the same. So it's a little bit gray sometimes, but you got to use your conscience. You got to let the Holy Spirit lead you. Third. Oh man, I don't have time to cover the third. I'm just going to mention it and perhaps I will preach on it in my next sermon. The third kind of theft that people participate in. First is stealing from people. Second is stealing from organizations. Third is stealing from God. I'm going to read from Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. And I'm not going to preach this. Pray for me that I will not continue and preach this. All right. (laughs) But I'm just going to read it and I'll preach on it next time. Bible says, Malachi 3 verse 6. For I the Lord do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Now, the Israelites were involved with all kinds of sins. And God says, return to me. And they'd ask, well, how should we do that? And God says, verse 8, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? God says, in your tithes and contributions. Or in the NIV, it says, in your tithes and offerings. When you are not serious about bringing to God tithes and offerings, you are robbing God. Some of you in here, you don't take taxes seriously. And you need to. Because God's will is for you to pay taxes. 
But you know, you just stop there. Some of you might be serious about taxes, but you're not nearly as serious about giving your tithes and offerings to God. Some of you in here, you don't even keep track of tithes and offerings. So it's just a shot in the dark. I think I've given my tithe. You don't even, you don't even actually keep track. You keep track of your credit card expenses. You don't keep track of whether you're actually giving the full tithe and the full offering. You don't even consider how much I want to give an offering. You know what you do? You know what you do? You know, in the Old Testament, you know what God indicted the Israelites on? He said, I'm fed up with your sacrifices. I hate them. My heart abhors them. People are like, whoa, whoa. Why? You know why? Because God, God indicts them and says, you've been bringing sickly old little goats that are about to die. Diseased little lambs that nobody wants. You're bringing your leftovers. And God says, That's, I hate them. Stop, don't bring it. No, I don't even want to see it. But you know, a lot of Christians, that's what we do today with our giving. Oh, here comes the offering plate. Oh, let me hurry up. Oh, oh, let me hurry up. Oh, 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 I got some money in here. Okay. If you're in youth group, I understand. In fact, even if you're in youth group, you should be calculating what is your allowance. And you should be tithing from your allowance. You know why? Because he who is faithful with little will be entrusted with much. You can't be faithful with your little bit of allowance as a youth group kid. If you can't teach your kids to how to, how to tithe and give offering from that little allowance, oh, they're going to be in trouble when they make $100,000. It's not going to turn on one day. But that's what we do. We give God the leftovers. Give God the leftovers. We bring little sickly old goats. All, all little one... One, one, one legged, three legged, three legged lambs. <laughs> Nose all wet, ears all droopy. Nasty little things. We're just giving God the leftover, and God says, No, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your wealth. Bring to God the first fruits. We don't really know. I haven't really taught on that here. But I should teach on that, shouldn't I? We don't really know what it means to give God the first fruits. To be like Abel and not like Cain. To bring God the best of the best, not the leftovers. It's not happening. And I'm, I'm laying with my, my, my main point here. My main point is, I'm going to read Zechariah 5.3. Check this out. I'm, I'm going to give you this and I'm going to close. Zechariah verse five, chapter 5 verse 3. Here's the thing about theft. Zechariah 5 verse 3. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole land. For everyone who steals shall be cleaned out according to what is on one side. And everyone who swears falsely shall be cleaned out according to what is on the other side. What's my point? When you read that verse, what you recognize is when you are involved in theft... You are under a curse, whether you know that or not. Even in Malachi chapter 3, the, God says, You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. But whether you're stealing from people, stealing from intellectual property, or you're stealing the tithes and offerings from God, if you're involved in theft, you're under a curse. In the area of your finances, you're going to experience a curse. Meaning you're going to make investments and they're not going to go anywhere. 
You can put in an honest day's work, it's not going to go anywhere. Because the very hand of God is going to be upon you. It's going to be against you. It says in Ephesians 4.28, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let the thief no longer steal. You want to steward your personal finances for the glory of God? You need to stop your stealing. You need to stop thieving in all of its forms. And you need it to work. And you need to work honest work with your own hands. When you, make, when you are doing honest work with your own hands... And you're bringing to God the tithes and offers. You're not robbing him there. You're not downloading all this free music and movies. Oh, oh i got to now pay for movies. Yeah, you got to pay for movies. <laughs> and you're doing that. And you're not stealing from your friends. You know, my wife used to be a kleptomaniac. So, you know, there's a lot of people in the church. They steal from people. They steal, they steal from each other. I'm glad here. Korea. Uh, anyway, all right. Korea is a lot more about white-collar theft, I noticed. Like, there's very few blue-collar theft. Like, it's here and there. But drugs is not a big problem here. So, a lot of, they don't see that much blue-collar theft. But, man, you put down Chunsen money, all that Chunsen money might be gone when you try to move out. Like, there's a lot of white-collar theft that goes on here. You know, there's corporations that set up, like, an apartment complex, right? It's a common story. It's, it's reflected in Korean dramas all the time. Right? Apartment complex is going up. They get all these investments. And then the construction company bounces with all the investments. And leaves the building half done. Happens. A lot of white collar crime here. But whatever you're involved with, you need to put an end to it. And if you want to see God bless you. And you want to see increase. And you want to steward your finances for the glory of God. Then you need to stop stealing. And you need to start learning how to put an honest day's work in. And if you're at your employer, stop getting on Facebook every other minute. Because that's also theft. Subtle form of theft. But if it's affecting your productivity in the long run, you're going to probably get fired. Or when somebody better comes along, you're probably going to get let go. If you're working for the church, the staff of New Philly. Marcus Corbney, if you're listening. Not that he's doing anything. But I know ESPN.com is always a temptation. <laughs> you know, at one point, I, try, I blocked certain uh, websites. I put on this technology to block it. I just felt like, you know what? No, nah, no, nah, a lot of times we need Facebook to do ministry. You know, so I stopped blocking it. But you know what? You should still be constrained in your heart. Because I may not know, but there's a God who's watching. And you will always reap what you sow before him. Amen? Amen? You know, I felt like this was a message that needed to go out because I felt like it just wasn't getting addressed and people weren't dealing with the issues. I just kept seeing pride in stolen goods. And that needs to stop today. One of the reasons why your finances is probably really, really, really struggling and this could be a family-wide thing. It's because you're actually under a generational curse with the way 
that your family has dealt with money. Put your house in order. And the Lord will bless you. I'll talk about that when I talk about robbing God. Now let's close in prayer. But God wants to bless you because he's a loving father. God wants to be good to you. God wants to entrust you with certain assignments that, re- that involves money. God wants to bless you. He wants to entrust you with certain assignments. But none of those things are going to come forth until you stop stealing. Let the thief no longer steal. Let the thief no longer steal. And for certain people, you're in situations where you can make restitution. I would encourage you, make restitution. Wherever it's possible, make restitution. In your own way, let the Holy Spirit lead you. In truth, make restitution. Before Aaron and I got married, Aaron had over $2,000 worth of clothes that she had stolen during her college years as a college student. I told you, man, she's a kleptomaniac. She used to steal clothes that she didn't even really need. She just got so good at it, she got thrown out of stealing. She had thousands of dollars of merchandise. And when we started dating... The Holy Spirit convicted her heart. It was actually not, not even, it was before we started dating. After she, we, I led her healing and deliverance session, and she confessed about all of her theft, she went home that weekend. She gathered all of the clothes, and even the uh, jewelry she got from her ex-boyfriends. Hallelujah. <laughs> she put them all into, I think she put two imingabangs, huge imingabangs, stacked it, filled it, And she just threw it out on the street. And for her, that was fruit keeping with repentance. A lot of us are good at what we think is repentance. But sometimes we need to show the fruit of our repentance. And for Erin, that's what it took. And for her, she can't can't go back to all the malls and be like, can I pay y'all back double for everything I stole? She's not a place where she can do that. But she did get rid of all the things that she has stolen. And, and that's why I believe that God has blessed us. If that was not taken care of when I married her, I think there would have been a lot of financial hardship we would have faced. Because the very hand of God would have been upon us. Father, I pray that in this room, that every person that is involved with any kind of theft in any kind of way, They will stop it. They will repent and turn from those ways. And they will learn how to make an honest living. Doing honest work. And I pray that to him who has, more will be given. And to him who is faithful with small things, you would entrust even more. For this is your good pleasure. 
is that we do not steal from each other. But we learn to honor one another. And we learn to bless one another with the blessings that you give us.